0: who's glad to be at church today. Come on, is anybody glad to be in God's house? Can we just give him praise today? Amen. I want to especially welcome everybody who's on the other side of the camera today. Those of you who are online, watching online live, or maybe in the future, in the weeks ahead, but also our 4.30 (laughs) service, which happens every Sunday at 4.30. There are people who are making that service their home, and, and I want to just shout out to you today because you are making room in our morning services as well. We just want to say thank you for that. So come on, church family. Can we just give it up for everybody on the other side today? Glad you're with us. Yeah. So uh, we're in week five of a series that we're calling the Second Coming, and we're going to get into that in just a moment. But I want to just—I want to mention something you saw in the video just a minute ago, and that is um, Lift Church in Salisbury, Maryland. I don't know if you caught it or not, but um, Pastor Drew and Lauren—they—they they actually launched their church, Lift Church in Salisbury, Maryland, on the same day we started City Hope. So January twenty seventh, twenty nineteen. And we got into our permanent facility, this building here, in our second year. And, um, or actually it was, yeah, it was our second year. And, and they are, they have been meeting in a, in a uh, movie theater. We started our church in, in McNeil Middle School. They've been meeting in a movie theater for the last four and a half years. And this fall, they are moving into their brand new newly renovated facility. They're renovating an old Gander Mountain, which is kind of like a Bass Pro or Cabela's, and renovating that into their church. 500-seat auditorium, and you gave money to help them purchase 55 brand-new ch- <laughs> chairs. Come on, I think that's incredible. That's, that's awesome. So it's not like we're, we're part of the capital C church. That means we're, we're more interested in the church at large and not just what's happening here in Wichita Falls. Amen? Amen. And so you're making that happen, but I thought this would be a good time To just remind you of when you give what your offering does so the first 1% of every dollar you give goes right out the doors to the Jew first to Israel the Bible says go to the Jew first to the Jewish people first and so the first 1% of every dollar goes right out the doors to make a difference in Israel the next 2% goes to plant churches all across America and resource pastors. And so we've been doing that for four years now. This year alone, we've planted 20 brand new churches with 780 people giving their life to Jesus on the first Sunday. Come on, that's incredible, everybody. The next 3% of what you give, the third percent of every dollar you give, one goes to Israel, two to church planting, 3% goes right out the doors to Uh, international ministries, international missions. So we're we're translating the Bible. We're sending it to Cuba, to Uganda, to Mexico, to Guatemala, just making a difference outside the walls. And then 4% of it stays right here in Wichita Falls to make a difference in our community. And so I just want to say thank you for giving. You need to know where it's going and what it's doing. And so thank you, thank you, thank you. Can we just give God praise today for all that he's doing through City Hope, how we're making a difference. Amen. And of, of course, uh, you, something you heard in the, in the news video is that we are getting ready to launch small groups in two weeks, two weeks away from our summer semester of small groups. And I want to encourage some of you who are really looking to take your next step. You're really looking to grow in your relationship with God. You're looking to grow in your faith. I want to encourage you to lead a group. And some of you are like, well, I, man, I can't, lead a, I can't lead a group. Well, let me, let, me, let me ask you, would you host a group, okay? If you can't lead, would you host a group, right? Would you consider leading or hosting a group? And what that means for you is if you can do four things, you can lead a group, all right? If you can encourage people, you can lead a group. If you can share a scripture, you can lead a group. If you can pray or have somebody else pray, all right? If you can do that, you can lead a group. If you can give next steps to people, you can lead a group. And so I want to encourage you. This is the season. It doesn't matter what kind of group you would want to lead. We, we have what we call free market groups. And what that means is you can lead a group on pretty much anything. All right? So if you want to, if, if you want to do a running group, you can do a running group as long as you ESPN. All right? Encourage, scripture, pray, next steps. All right, just remember that, if you can ESPN, if you can ESPN, you can do it, all right? That sounds like a, like a dance or something, I don't know, or a TV show, all right? If you can do it, all right? Uh, you, you can lead a group on crocheting. If you wanted to crochet and just have other people come crochet, lead a group on that. You could smoke some brisket, all right? There's some things you can't smoke. We will not endorse smoking all things. But there's, you, you smoke a brisket? invite your brother over i'd love to be a part of that small group right you can lead a group on pretty much anything as long as you encourage give scripture pray and give some next steps and so if you feel in your heart that god's leading you to do this the summertime is the perfect time to lead a group because it's only six weeks long the summer semester is only six weeks long and it's just a great way for you to to take that next step so lead a small group um cityhopefamily.com slash smallgroups, you can find out more information there, all right? If you got it, say, I got it. Yeah. Okay, all right, good. Now, we're in, we're in week five of this series, The Second Coming, and we're going we're gonna to jump into that in just a moment, but in this series, we're really just kind of scratching the surface. I mean, for me to give you the, the details and the in-depth study would take months of sermons, and so I'm just giving you, I'm scratching the surface, kind of giving you, the top layer of the end times. And if you've missed some weeks, you can go back and check that out online. But today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the falling away. All right, that's our topic today. And, um, and we know this. We don't know when Jesus is coming back, but we, we don't know the dates and the times, but we know the signs and the seasons, don't we? All right, so we a couple of weeks ago, we studied about how he... Jesus said it's going to be like birthing pains. You're going to know that the end is near because it's kind of like birthing pains. Well, we know the signs and the seasons, and if you come to City Hope long enough, then you will know that I love silly church signs. I love them. Actually, what I love is I love laughing at them. That's what I love is I love to laugh, and I love to laugh at silly church signs that churches put up because sometimes they don't make a lot of sense, and sometimes they're just funny. And so what I did was I spent some time this week Googling the top, best, funny, end times church signs there are. And I have some for you, okay? All right? Because I, I figured we needed to laugh, honestly, because y'all, y'all need to laugh. Need to laugh. Mary Hart does good like a medicine. So I thought there hadn't been a lot of laughter in this end times series. Let's laugh about it. Okay, here we go. Here's real church signs by real churches. How about this? The end is near. Just kidding. We don't know. So.
1: <laughs>
0: now, I, I did ask our church staff. I, I sent it in our, in our group message. I said, hey, help, help me figure out which one of these would, would be the best to, sh- to show on Sunday. And this next one did not get one single vote. But I'm going to show it anyway. Alright? Because I thought it was funny because I feel like it was something, it's something I would see in my hometown. Alright? Check it out. Without Jesus, there'd be hell to pay. I mean it's real. I mean it's true. But I could just hear, I could hear my a pastor in my hometown going, without Jesus, there's hell to pay. I could I could hear that, right? How about this one? On judgment day, you're gonna meet Father God, not Mother Earth. Mm-hmm. That's good right there. It's, it's true. How about uh, this one? Not needed in heaven. Clock, dock, lock, glock, HR block. No taxes in heaven. If, if, if you're a teenager yet, you have no idea what that means, right? It's just like, just no taxes. Thank God for that. This one's awesome. Prophecy class canceled due to unforeseen circumstances. <laughs> we just didn't know it was. It was a prophecy class. Surely someone could have foretold the future, right? Uh, How about this one? These gas prices are why the armies in heaven are riding horses. (laughs) These gas prices. How about this one? This was for all the young people. Uh, YOLO, JK, BRB, LOL, Jesus. (laughs) All right, let let me translate that. You only live once, all right? So live it up. Live it up. You only live once. JK, just kidding. Be right back. Laugh out loud. Jesus. All right. So. All right. Now, the, this last one I have to give a little context to because um, we, we, before we moved back to Texas, we lived in Alabama in, in the Huntsville area, a suburb called Madison. And in that area, um, there, there was a, a certain club called the Pink Pony. All right. And um, there was actually a couple of those clubs around, and so one of, these, one of the churches near one of the pink pony clubs decided they had a message for all the men who would go to that club, and this was their sign, for real. It said, Jesus is coming back on a white horse, not a pink pony. <laughs> Come on, that's funny right there. That's good stuff. You got you to love some good church signs and... You know, the truth is, those are, those are pretty funny, but how many of you know that the end times really isn't a laughing matter? You know, it's, 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 we need to be serious about it. We need to take it serious. But it doesn't really matter what you believe. Uh, whether Jesus is coming back uh, pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, or post-tribulation, that really doesn't matter. That's not your ticket to heaven, everybody. Because when we get to heaven, it won't matter what we believed about whether, he was, whether the rapture was going to happen before or after the tribulation. Come on, it won't matter. And so we're not going to hang our hats on those kinds of things. But what we do need to realize is that Jesus is coming again. And we need to be ready for his return, don't we? We need to be ready for when he comes back. And so um, we don't need to be afraid about it. Jesus said in John 14, don't let your hearts be troubled about this, this return of mine. Okay, you believe in God, believe also in me. And my Father's house has many rooms. And if that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going away to prepare a place for you? He's saying, you don't, you don't think I would lie to you, you? I'm not. If I said I'm going to do it, I'm, I'm going to do it. And then he says, if, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back. And that's what I believe Jesus is referring to as the rapture. I'm going to come back and get you, and I'm going to take you to be with me. That where I am, you may also be, or that you also may be where I am. So that's the good news, and we don't have to be afraid, we don't have to be concerned, we don't have to live in fear over this. Jesus is coming again, and it's the best news of our lives. Amen, everybody? Now, there are some signs of the times. We, we studied about that two weeks ago, the signs of the times. And when these signs are happening, we often wonder, what do we do? Like, if Jesus is coming back, what am I supposed to do? How do I live my life? And the answer is really simple. It's two parts. It's it's this. You need to plan like Jesus isn't coming back for 100 years. All all you young people in the room today, every, every adult, every person, plan like he's not coming back for 100 years. Graduate high school. Go to college. Get married. Start having kids. Build a career. Build your 401k. Plan for retirement. Buy that lake home that you want to. Do all of that. Be generous. Do do all that you have in your heart to do and plan like he's not coming back for 100 years. Now, I want to add something because as I was preparing for this, I just, I don't know, I just felt like I also needed to say, maybe maybe you need to plan wisely. Because um, I remember in 2011, or actually just three years ago even, we went through a pandemic, didn't we? And and there was a season where grocery stores were bare. They didn't have enough groceries. The shelves were empty. And so plan ahead. Uh, What I'm saying is stockpile some food at your house. Don't live in fear over it, but have you a couple weeks worth of food. We experienced this firsthand when we lived in Alabama. Uh, We went through what's known as the super outbreak of 2011. It was um, the worst tornadic outbreak in U.S. history. Over 360 tornadoes in a three-day period in, in America. And the majority of those were in the southeast. Our community had multiple tornadoes ravaged in North Alabama. And we lost power at our house for seven days. Not only did we lose power gas stations were out, you couldn't get gas. There was one gas station a few miles from our house that serviced the whole county in the, mo- the, the, the waiting lines, the, the, the roads were covered up for, for who knows how long, waiting to get gas. Uh, we banked locally at a local bank and because there was no power, all the, all the servers were hosted in our little community, we couldn't use our debit card for seven days. And so I'm just saying, plan ahead. You. Use wisely. So, what we learned after that is hey, it's, it's probably beneficial to have a couple weeks' worth of food because we don't know what, what happens if there's a catastrophe, a flood, or another pandemic, and we don't have food. So, I'm not trying to put fear in you, but I'm just saying plan ahead. Does that make sense, everybody? It's just wise to do that, okay? Just wise. Now, plan ahead. Plan like he's not coming back for 100 years, but live your life like Jesus could come back today. Like, live like he could come back at any moment. That is, know God, choose, make a decision that you're going to, that you're going to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that you're going to live your life serving Jesus Christ, that, that you're going to find freedom, that you're going to get past the past, that you're, going to, that you're going to deal with the addictions or the strongholds or the secret sins that you've got in your life. Deal with those. Find freedom in your life. Discover the purpose that God has for you. Discover why did God put you on earth? Why are you here? Why did he create you? And then go live your life making a difference, telling everybody that you can about what Jesus has done in you. Give, serve, lead. Go out make a difference. Share your faith. Am I making sense to you today? So plan like he's not coming back for 100 years, but live like he could come back today, right now. Okay? So, um... What we're going to do today is we're going to look at um, a passage of Scripture in, in 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians, alright? So if you've got your message notes, pull those out. Because today we're going we're to we're be... There's a ton of Scripture, and I want to just try to walk you through um, this teaching today. So Paul planted, uh, Paul planted the Thessalonian church in Thessalonia. He planted that church, and he taught them about the end times. He taught them about the second coming of Jesus... And then he wrote letters to his churches. Most of the New Testament are letters that Paul wrote to the churches that he planted. All right? And and 1 and 2 Thessalonians are two letters that he wrote to them. The first letter he writes, and he's talking about the second coming. Uh, in, In every chapter of 1 Thessalonians, he mentions the second coming of Jesus. But somehow there was confusion In the Thessalonian church, there were people outside of the church that were trying to trick him and trying to lead him astray. And so two months after he writes the first letter, he writes the second letter. And he clears up the the misconceptions, the confusion on the second coming of Jesus. And that's what we're going to study today. Are you ready? Okay, so if you've got your notes, get those ready because we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, which is the clearest depiction of the rapture for us, okay? It's 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 15 through 18. says, according to the Lord's word. So Paul has heard Jesus teach about this or the teaching's been passed down to him. According to the words of Jesus, we tell you that we who are still alive and who are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise when? First. So we don't know which denomination is going to go first, but the dead in Christ will go. I'm just kidding. That was a joke. All right. JK. All right. Um, we don't, the dead in Christ will rise first, and then after that, we who are still alive... And who are left will be caught. Everybody say caught. That word caught is the the Greek word. Harpazo. um, And and it's linked to the Latin word. rapture or raptiro. Which is where we get the word rapture. So the word rapture doesn't appear in scripture. But the, the theology behind the thought does. That will be caught up. And it means to be suddenly snatched away. If you know the story of. Philip in the New Testament who was suddenly caught up from from one place to the next, it would have been this right here. He He was caught up. We're going to be caught up together with them, with the dead in Christ in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever and we don't need to be afraid about it. We don't need to worry about it. We don't need to twiddle our thumbs over this. We need to encourage one another With these words. That Jesus is coming again. Alright. Maranatha. Jesus is coming. Look to the skies. He's coming again. And so. This is the clear depiction of the rapture. But after 1 Thessalonians. After this letter. There's people that are confused. In fact what happened was. Many of them thought that Paul was saying. Jesus is going to come back any minute. And so. For many of the Thessalonian church, they actually quit their jobs. They became idle. And they were just like, they were just waiting on Jesus. Literally. They just, they became idle people. Like, well, he said he's going to come back. Now, I don't know when it's going to be, but I'm just going to wait on him right here. <laughs> I, they, they just, they became idle. And Paul says, oh, guys, it, it's not like that. Let me, let me give you some more explanation. Let me, let me remind you of some things. And so he writes Second Thessalonians to clear up the confusion. And he gives them uh, three things. He gives a panoramic view of what will happen before Jesus comes back, when Jesus comes back, and then after Jesus comes back. And that's what we're going to look at today before, when, and after. All right? And so let's go to 2 Thessalonians because that's where he, he begins clearing up the confusion about the second coming. He says, concerning. The coming of the Lord, the, the rapture as we are talking about, Jesus Christ, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and, and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us, so don't, don't don't chase after all of these things that they said we said, no, don't don't run after all of these different prophecies or this word of mouth or or. Letters that other people have given you, asserting that the day of the Lord has come. Jesus hasn't come back yet. So he says, don't let anyone deceive you. Don't let anyone tell you one thing apart from what I've told you. Don't let them deceive you for that, what? Day. Now the day is the coming of the Lord. For that day, the rapture will not come until the rebellion. The day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed. So the rebellion has to happen first, and then then the Antichrist can be revealed, all right? And so here's what I want to do today. I want to help you understand what the rebellion is, because that's what's going to happen first, okay? So the rebellion is the Greek word apostasy. Apostasia is where we get the word apostasy, and it means a falling away. It means a rejection. It means a turning away from. It means a forsaking of the gospel, a forsaking of God's ways. And so um, it's, it's referring to people who once believed the Bible. They once lived by the Bible. They, they used to live for God. They used to have godly standards, and they turned away from God. And so the Antichrist cannot come until this rebellion takes place. And it says that that once the rebellion happens and then the, the Antichrist comes on the scene, he will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God. And he will, everything that is worshiped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be who? God. He'll proclaim that He is God. All right? So here's what I want to do today. I want to study what's going to happen before Jesus returns. So if you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down. That before Jesus comes back, there will be worldwide rebellion against God. Worldwide rebellion. And, And I just happen to believe that we're seeing that right now. I believe that... That what, what we're seeing in our society and in the world is worldwide rebellion. And some of you young people, you don't know the difference. This is what you've been raised in. But for many of us, we know what it was like before. We've, we've seen when prayer was in schools. We've seen when, when, uh, uh, what, what our culture and our society was like when we were putting God first. We've seen that. And what we're seeing today is a worldwide rebellion Against God, And the rebellion is going to happen in two ways, all right? Write this down. There's going to be rebellion in the world. So in the falling away, people are going to rebel in the world. They're going to rebel against God. They're going to rebel against biblical truth. They're going to rebel against biblical morality. So think about this. In, in 1976, 38% of Americans believed that the Bible was the word of God. It was the literal word of God. But today, 2017, only 24% believe. That number just keeps going down and down and down. And if you look in our society today, you see a rejection of Christian ethics, a rejection of Christianity in, in public institutions. Prayer was taken out of school in 1962. I believe that's where, me, where, where much of this began. I remember growing up in East Tennessee in my little school, we lined up in the 80s, we lined up in kindergarten. uh, As we were getting ready to go to lunch, we would line up in the hall or in the classroom and we would say a prayer over our lunch. I remember praying over football games. There was always a prayer before the football game until the Supreme Court ruled that against the law in in the late 90s. The the Ten Commandments were taken out of schools in the 1980s. They were taken out of public institutions around that same time. Um, The the Bible, the the Word of God is considered hate speech by many people. Uh, There's there's a dramatic rise in atheism. There's open persecution. And not only is there um, an open attack against Christianity, not only is um, the Bible under attack, But just, if if you took the Bible out of it, Christian values, or just take Christianity out of it, traditional values are under attack. They're being rejected by the world. And so there's a worldwide rebellion. There's rebellion in the world, but it's not just rebellion in the world. There's going to be rebellion in the church, too. Rebellion in the church. And and honestly, I I think we saw some of that when COVID (coughs) took place. I mean, the church became... It was, it was a vacuum. Two-thirds of the church left. And it was hard times, and, and I'm not trying to be political there in any way, but it was, it was a difficult season. And many, many of those people never came back to church. They've wandered from the faith. They've rebelled against God. Not all, but many of them have. And so Jesus prophesied in, in um, the book of Matthew... He said that in the last days, the church is going to be half true, half false. In Matthew chapter 24, he gives um, uh, some teaching on the end times and on the signs of the times and on the rapture. And in Matthew 25, he gives three parables that uh, that that are about the end times. And the first parable is the parable of the ten virgins, And I don't have time to give you this entire parable today, but I'm going to give you the first part of it and help you see how there's going to be rebellion in the church. Jesus said in Matthew 25 that at that time, at the end of time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins. It's going to be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were what? Wives. So what's 50% of 10? So five people, five, five, 50% of the end times church. This represents the end times church, by the way. 50% of them weren't prepared for Jesus to return. 50% of the end times church was doing things their own way. 50% of the end times church, Jesus said, is going to be pursuing all the things. they're, They're going to... Uh, declare, they're, they're going to proclaim that uh, uh, they're going to live like there's no God, essentially. He says they're, they're going to talk about the power of God, but they're going to deny the power of God. They're going to they're say, yeah, God's real. Yeah, we believe in God, but we're living like he doesn't, we're living like he doesn't exist, 50%. And, and in the last days, we're seeing this rejection of the Bible, this rejection of Christianity. Even within the church, there have been church leaders, been, there have been pastors, there have been famous Christian artists who have said, you know what, you, they're, they're doing what's called deconstructing the Bible. Oh, you, you can't really believe the Bible? I mean, those stories aren't real. They're, they're just metaphors. They're just, it's just hyperbole. It's just made up. You, you can't really bank on that. How, how could a loving God allow these kinds of things to happen? And it's happening all over the place. Not only is the world rejecting God but, and biblical principles, but there's churches are too. There, there are denominations, whole denominations, that are completely bailing on the Word of God, completely turning away from the Bible and its truth. And I'm not trying to be political. So please don't misunderstand me. I've never been political in anything that I've ever preached, but I've always been biblical. trying to be biblical. And there are things that are happening in our culture today that aren't political at all. They are biblical in nature. But there are churches that are coming out as pro-abortion, pro-homosexuality, pro-transgenderism. And, and please hear me. There's no hate in my heart about that, but there, it's just not in the Bible. That's, that's not okay according to the bible and and I would and, and some people want to pick and choose the Bible they want to pick and choose what they believe but listen to me if you can't believe the if you can't believe part of the Bible, what makes you think you can believe any of the Bible if you think you can't trust part of this, why would you put your trust in any of this if, if you if, if you think well i'm just I'm going to pick and choose what what I want and what I don't want and what I like and what I don't like. Then it's not a standard. Is it too is it too much? It's it's not a standard. So we have there are people there are entire denominations that are pushing back on the Word of God and its authenticity in our lives. Listen, it is what I build my life on. It's what we build this church on. This Bible is the Word of God. It is authoritative. It is absolute, and nothing can change that. And and science and, and, and people would want to tell you today that there are no absolute truths to which you just kindly respond, are you absolutely sure? If there's no absolute truths, you can't be absolutely sure that there's no absolute truths. So don't tell me there's no absolute truths. I'm, I'm meddling. I'm sorry. Here's, where I'm, here's, here's what I'm saying. Okay. We're seeing the rebellion take place in the church. In, uh, several years ago, a denominational meeting in, in Nashville, Tennessee, leaders gathered in a specific denomination. The leader got up. And this is what he's quoted as saying. He said, I will not define my lifestyle or my sexuality by the four corners of this book. It is time for another testament to be written that is more up-to-date and written for the times that we are living in. So help us, God. We cannot turn our backs on the Word of God. This is the power of God unto salvation. It is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I will hide it in my heart so I won't sin against God. His Word is alive. It's active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. I'm going to live by it. I'm going to walk by it. I'm going to apply it in my life. I've got to build my life on this word it's the word and so what we've got to decide as a church is I'm not going to be mean about it I'm not going to be hateful about it but I I do believe what I believe and I'm going to have grace and I'm going to have truth and if the world can have an opinion about it so can I I'm going to stand for what I believe in and that is the word of God is true Amen. amen we're seeing this rebellion in the church not this church but in, in the capital C church, it's happening. So Jesus said there's going to be a falling away. There's going to be an apostasy. All right. So that's before he comes back. i got to hurry. Um, in your notes, the second thing, when he comes back, that's the tipping point. Okay, it's the tipping point. In other words, it, this is the point where it's an unstoppable change takes place. No turning back. The point of no return. The point of no return. Paul says it this way in the Thessalonian letter. He says, don't you remember when I was with you, I used to tell you these things. So, hey, I planted your church. I was there with you. Don't you remember when I used to tell you these things? What things? The the things about the the end times, the second coming. He says, "And, and now you know what's holding him back. What's holding the Antichrist back, the lawless one, so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. In other words, the spirit of the Antichrist is already working in our world today, all right? But the one who holds it back, the one who now holds it back, who is that? That is the Holy Spirit through the local church. The local church empowered by the Holy Spirit is holding back the Antichrist from coming and and we will continue to do so until... He is taken out of the way until the church is raptured to heaven. And when the church is raptured, that makes the way for the Antichrist to come into full power on the earth. All right? So the one who holds it back, that's the Holy Spirit living in me and you as the local church on the earth. City Hope Church is a restraining force. Come on, somebody. And when we're gone, by the way, when the church is raptured... There's nothing left to restrain the Antichrist. There's nothing left. And so here's what happens. After the church is raptured, then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy the lawless one, the Antichrist, by the splendor of his come. So let me show you two things, two examples Jesus gives us about the end times, about the rapture. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it to you pretty quick, but it's found in Luke chapter 17. And these are two things. Jesus says, two gives us two examples about the end times. And he says that it's gonna be just as it was in the days of Noah. Well, what was the days of Noah like? Wicked, violent, a world in rebellion against God, right? So it's going to be just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, they were drinking, they were being given in marriage up to the day that Noah entered the ark. So notice that. This rebellion is happening until Noah gets on the ark. And when Noah gets on the ark, then the flood came and destroyed everybody else. Did the flood destroy Noah and his family? No. But it destroyed everybody else, didn't it? Let me ask it this way. Did Noah and his family endure the tribulation? The judgment. They were saved from it, right? Alright, watch this. Was, was, it was the same in the days of Lot. Well, people, what were the days of Lot like? Wicked, evil, and rebellion against God. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. They were living their lives saying, man, we've got it so good. Life is good. And, But but check out what happens. But the day Lot left Sodom, not while Lot was there, the day he left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed everybody else. Were Lot and his family destroyed? No. No. All right. He says just as it was in the days of Lot and Noah. We're trying to make sense of this. Well, on that day, no one who is on the housetop, on the day that I come back, No one who's on the housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back to get anything. Remember Lot's wife. This is one powerful scripture, everybody. Because if you don't know what happened to Lot's wife, the angels led Lot and his family out of a, a wicked and vile Sodom and Gomorrah. And they were instructed, don't look back. And Lot's wife looks back, longing for the way it used to be longing for the things of the world, wanting the things of the world, and the Bible says she perished. Don't look back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, there'll be two people in bed. One will be taken, the other one left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken, the other one left. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other one left. Where? The disciples said. He replied, where there is a dead body, that's where the vultures gather. In other words, you'll be in heaven. You'll be taken. You'll be raptured. Now, let me give you three similarities between Lot, Noah, and us today. This is not in your notes, but in all three of those, in all three of those societies, with Lot, Noah, and our culture today, there was, a, there was rebellion in the world. A world in rebellion. Rebellion. But there was also a righteous remnant. In other words, there was a group of people like City Hope Church who were restraining, who were holding back, who who were living the life that God had called them to live. But then there was number three, there was a removal of the righteous remnant before the judgment came. So once the righteous were removed, then the judgment came. Then the tribulation happened. Then the flood happened. Then God rains fire down on Sodom and Gomorrah. Is this helping anybody today? All right, And so what I'm trying to say to us today is that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you don't have to have fear, you don't have to have worry, you don't have to be concerned. Jesus is coming again, and, and our, heaven is our home. This earth is not our home. We're looking for things that are eternal, not temporary. We're looking for a day that we are raptured to heaven. Man, this, this morning, this old song came to my mind. There's a blessed time that's coming, coming soon. It may be evening, morning, or afternoon. There's going to be a wedding of the bride. She'll be united with the groom. We shall see the King when He comes. Y'all remember that old song? We shall see the King. He's coming. Jesus is coming. YouTube that if you don't know that song. Listen to it. It's a good song. Good song. So when Jesus comes, it's the tipping point. Jesus is coming again. And let me just tell you, let me encourage you, don't fall in love with this world, everybody. Don't be Lot's wife. Don't look back. Don't desire the things of this world. Don't long for the things of this world. All right, last thing. After Jesus comes back, after he returns, watch what happens. There's going to be total world deception. Total world deception. Paul writes about it. In verse 9, he says, The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. So when Jesus comes back, the church is raptured, the Antichrist comes into power, the tribulation begins, and the Antichrist will be be empowered by Satan. So if you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. The Antichrist is going to be completely owned by Satan. Completely possessed by Satan. He will use all sorts of of displays of power through signs and wonders. In other words, he will do miracles. He'll do miracles, he'll do signs and wonders that serve the lie. I'm going to tell you about that in a second. But he's going to do all of these miracles, all of these signs and wonders that serve the lie and all of the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. All these miracles are going to trick people into believing. Those who have been left behind. They're gonna be tricked into believing. There's something about this Antichrist. And and they perish. These people who are left behind, they perish because they refuse to love the truth. They turned their back on the word of God. They rebelled against God. And so they couldn't be saved. For this reason, God sends them. So let me tell you this: not only so I believe that there's there's people in the world today who are Christians, They, they call themselves Christians, they say they love God but they reject his word. They say they love God, but they turn their back on the word of God. And not only will they be left behind, but God will make them delusional. They they will be given a a powerful delusion so that they believe the lie. What's the lie? That the Antichrist is God. Oh, have you seen this new guy? Have, Have you seen the miracles he's doing? Have you seen all the, all the stuff that he's doing? Have you seen how he's bringing people together in the first three and a half years of the tribulation? Have you seen how the antichrist just loves people, all the miracles, of the signs? Have you seen this? He must be God. And they're given over. Now, in, in the tribulation there will be people who get saved. There will be witnesses during the tribulation. People whose eyes have been opened, who don't take the mark of the beast and they witness and they share their faith and they share what God is doing and they give their lives to Christ but there is a lot of people that will believe the lie and so that they will believe the lie so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth they chose to rebel against God and they, they delighted in wickedness here is what I want to get to today listen Jesus is coming again. He's coming soon. And your relationship with the Bible is a reflection of your relationship with Jesus. I just don't know if you can trust the whole Bible. Well, then I don't know if you can trust Jesus. But it, I don't like what it says about this sin that I'm dealing with. I don't like what it says about my sin either, but I either believe it or I don't. Are you with me? I mean, I'm just being real. See it's, it's not about whether we like what it says. There may be times that you read it and you go, oh, that's hard for me to get, that's hard for me to grasp, I, I, I don't know about that but you keep believing and the Holy Spirit works inside of you He moves inside of you He does a work inside of you He changes your life He sets you free and that's what I want for you today is I I want you to have a relationship with Jesus but listen, if you said you loved me but you didn't like my kids I'm sorry but we can't be friends you know what I
1: mean?
0: Pastor Ben, we love love you and Annalise but your kids I'm sorry, we're not inviting you over for dinner. We're not going out. (laughs) Because if you want to love me, you love my kids. So what do I do, Pastor Ben? How do I how do I do this? All right, really quick, fall in love with Jesus fall in love with Jesus. Don't just know about him, don't just don't just know some scripture, but fall in love with him. Get to know him. Listen, you, there's nothing that matters more in this life than a personal authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what gets you to heaven. That's what gets you into the pearly gates. And after you fall in love with Jesus, after you say yes to a relationship with Jesus, then begin to develop that relationship with Jesus. Begin to want to know Him more. This is not just, a, it's not just a yes to a question. It's a relationship with the Savior of the world. I want to know you. I want to love you. I want to have a relationship with you. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you call me to do. I'll live how you want me to live. I'll be what you call me to be. Even when it's hard. Even when it's difficult. I'm going to develop my relationship with you today, Jesus. And one of the ways we say it is give God a year of your life. Give God a year. Go all in. Develop this relationship with Jesus. Go through the growth track. Go, start serving on the dream team. Get in a small group in two weeks. Start taking off the mask and, and begin getting free from the hurts and the habits and the hang-ups and the things that you've dealt with in life. Get free from all of that because Jesus is coming again. And then share the love of jesus share the love of jesus share the love of jesus and there's two ways that you can look at this you can you can go well i mean what's the point in sharing the love if 50 percent of the people are going to fall away i mean why don't we just ride it out and see what happens why don't we why don't we just why don't we just kind of coast and see what happens in the end times and see what takes place you can look at it that way or you can say not on my watch not on my watch. As, as long as I'm here, God, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to reach out to the vulnerable and the marginalized and the hurting and the broken. And I'm going to go to serve days. And I'm going to use my talents and my gifts. And I'm going to make a difference for the kingdom of God. That's what I'm going to do. That's how I'm going to live my life. Let, let, me, let me ask you a question. How much do you have to hate people to not tell them about Jesus? You heard of Penn and Teller? Penn was uh, once, uh, he shared a video one time. Uh, both are atheists. Professed atheists. Don't believe in Jesus. And he said, after one of his shows, a gentleman came up to him and they were signing autographs and a gentleman came up to him and gave him a New Testament. And Penn's an atheist. But he said, man, I want to thank you for this. Thank you for living out your faith. Thank you for living out what you profess to be. And and Penn asked the question, how much do you have to hate people to not tell them about Jesus? He said if 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 someone's about to step in front of a train, step in front of a Greyhound bus, wouldn't you try to get their attention? And if you believe that they are going to go to hell, if you believe that their life without Jesus Christ is going to send them to eternal punishment, wouldn't you want to get their attention? Wouldn't you try to tell them? Wouldn't wouldn't you try to reach out to them? Wouldn't you shove them out of the way? Wouldn't you take their place? And I think that's a question for us to answer today is, are we doing this? Are we sharing the love of Jesus? Not hate. Come on, we're we're not retaliating hate for hate. We're giving love. We're showing the love of Jesus, amen? Would you bow your heads with me today and close your eyes? Let me ask you, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? What's he whispering to your heart? See, I think for some of us in the room today, we have a decision to make. We have to decide where we stand with God. And honestly, this is not a time for games. This is not a time for you to play church. This is not a time for you to profess to be a christian but then live like christ doesn't exist it's not this is not a time for you to to play games this is a time to decide am i all in or am i not am i going after god or am i doing my own thing am i do i want a relationship with jesus or am i going to live my life the way i want to live my life and if you're here today, and you don't know Jesus, and, and maybe, maybe you've been refusing the truth, maybe you love Jesus, you just don't love the Bible. You, you can't have that kind of relationship. It has to be both and. But you're here today, and you're ready to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. You're ready to give your life to Him. I want to give you that opportunity today, because God loved you so much, He sent Jesus to die for you. He sent Jesus to the earth Whoever believes in Jesus, whoever would confess Jesus as Lord of their lives would not perish but would have everlasting life. And if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you're here today, you're far from God, you feel the weight of your sin, you feel the guilt of your past, you feel all of of the mistakes and all of the sin of your past kind of piling up on you right now. If I could say it this way. I hope you're troubled to the point that you make a decision to follow Christ today, not out of, not out of pressure, not out of compulsion, but because you are, you know beyond the shadow of a doubt this is your moment to say yes to Jesus. I don't want to pressure you to do it, but I've got to tell you the truth. I love you enough to tell you the truth. You need Jesus. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to say, I'm in. Pastor Ben, I'm going all in today. I'm giving my life to Jesus. If that's you, one, two, three. Come on, lift up your hand. Let me see you today. Let me lead you in a prayer. I see you. Thank you. One, two. Who else would say that's me? Three, four. Anybody else would say that's me, Pastor Ben? Five, six. Anyone else? Seven, eight. Anyone else say that's me? Nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Anybody else? I'm going all in. Thirteen. Proud of every one of you. I'm proud of every hand. 14, 15, 16, 17, Amen. 18. All right, let's say this. Pray together for 18 hands that I can count. Let's say this. Say, Jesus, I surrender. I give you my life. I repent. I turn from my ways to follow your ways. I recognize. Your word is truth. I choose to follow you. To give my life to you. To live for you. To obey you. Will you forgive me? Cleanse me? Wash me? Be the Lord of my life. And from this day forward, I'll serve you. I'll live for you. The best that I know how. Thank you for being my
1: Lord and